Anyone know what the date is today? It's the, well, it was earlier the 13th of Nisan, but now at sunset, since the sun has set in Jerusalem, it is actually the 14th of Nisan, and this is when they would really have celebrated Passover. It talks about when the fullness of the day was come. So tomorrow is when it will be the full day, and that was when Jesus was crucified. And that's unusual because... It just so happens that this year it lines up perfectly with the year that Jesus was crucified. Because remember, he was not crucified on a Friday. Passover would have had to have fallen on a Wednesday. And we'll, we'll go into that tonight because tonight we're going to be studying the purposes of Passover. John eleven twenty five says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He That believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. When Jesus said that was the occasion when he had come to Martha and Mary and Lazarus had died. And I always talk about the fact that it doesn't matter what the situation is. If Jesus is your resurrection and life, he can bring a dead situation back to life. A hopeless situation can be brought back to life. And so tonight we're going to study the purposes of Passover. And as I said, it's, it's a unique occasion because we know that for him to have spent three days and three nights in the grave, he could not have actually been crucified on a Friday. I know that's been the tradition for hundreds, if not a couple thousand years, but the early church uh, obviously knew better. And also we're going to look at that tonight to show when he was crucified. So in fact, this year, Passover actually lines up with when he would have had to been crucified to fulfill the sign of Jonah. You know, the Bible gives us um, the reasons, the purposes for Jesus' coming and dying on the cross. But it, it, it really comes back to the fact of man's sin and the fact that we needed a Savior. We needed someone who could come and restore us back to sonship. As I spoke on Sunday about asking to be a servant gets you made a son. And in Romans we are told, Paul in his, in his, in his epistle to the Romans starts to explain the whole process. Because explaining grace, God's grace and his plan of salvation. Um, it, and it says, by one man's sin death reigned in Romans. But really we see that death came into the world in Genesis, in, in chapter 5, we start to get the lineage and it starts to tell us this person lived so many years and then he died. Yes, they lived a very long time compared to us. Genesis 5, 5, and all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and then he died. That's a long time. And all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. And all the days of Enos were 905 years and he died. And all the days of Canaan were 910 years, and he died. And all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years, and he died. And all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. And all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. And all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. Genesis 5 gives us the immediate genealogy of the sons of Adam. And it fulfills or shows us the fact that death had now come into the human world. I put a a little chart up there. It's a little bit of an eye chart. But there's some interesting things that you you can see from that chart. One thing is that after the flood, the ages started to go down dramatically. That's what that curve is. It's a, it's a special kind of mathematical curve, actually. It's called a, a natural decay curve. And it's not something that you can just easily make up with numbers. And yet, when they look in the Bible, they find that that's where the numbers fall, on this natural decay curve. It shows a population uh, decline. It's a, it's a mathematical curve that's well known in science. And you see how sharply the ages started to go down after the flood. 
one other interesting thing about that, that chart that it shows that Shem, who was born just before the flood, lived all, all the way into the lifespan of Isaac. That's quite an interesting thing that Shem, what that means is that everybody up till Abraham almost could have spoken to Noah. Just as how everybody up to the flood could have spoken to Adam. Which tells you that when sin came into the world, it was a choice. It says people choose to serve the creature rather than the creator. It was a choice. It wasn't because of an uncertain knowledge. It wasn't that they didn't know the truth. Today, the truth of creation is debated and and there are people who genuinely uh, have been taught about evolution and, and don't really know the truth. But back then, that was not the case. Men knew the truth because there was great, 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 great grandfather Adam. So they chose to worship other beings. And this was the reason for the flood, because there was nothing else for God to do. Men chose to be disobedient. They chose to go their own way. But yet, even in the naming of the names, and we've taught this before, but this is way of review, even in the names that were given in the Bible, we see a prophecy of God's plan of redemption, right? Adam, and he died. Seth, and he died. Enosh, and he died. Kenan, and he died. Mahalalel, and he died. Jared, and he died. Enoch was not, for he was taken. Isn't that something? Amen. Methuselah, and he died. Lamech, and he died. Noah found grace. Amen. And the prophecy of the names you've seen before, Adam, of course, means man or earth. Seth means appointed because she said, God hath appointed me. Uh, another man in, in place of, of Cain. Enosh means mortal. Kenan means sorrow. Mahalalel means the blessed God. Jared means descend or shall descend. Enoch means teaching. Methuselah, the Hebrew word for death is meth. Methuselah means his death shall bring. And Lamech means despairing. Lamentation, um, despairing. Noah means comfort. And when you put that together, you have a prophecy even in the names, right? Man appointed mortal sorrow. But the blessed God shall descend, teaching his death shall bring the despairing comfort. That's the promise and the purpose of the coming of our Savior and his death, that it was to restore us to comfort, to to the place in the garden that I've taught about. Now, this month our theme is, when shall these things be? When shall these things be? When Jesus came the first time, they kept on asking him for a sign. You know, give us a sign, give us some proof. And he told them the only sign that would be given would be the sign of Jonah, which was a strange thing to say. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. And as I've said before, Nineveh was the home of the Assyrians. And as I've said before, they were the ISIS of their day. They were... They were the, the terror uh, group of their day. They, when they conquered nations, they, they butchered people. They, they skinned them alive. They, they, they brooked no uh, mercy. But yet Jonah, of all people, was sent to this horrible place. And I'm sure that when he got the call, he couldn't believe it. Lord, are you sending me to go to these people who are Israel's most worst enemies? Why? And he couldn't understand it. So you know the story. He decided he'd try and escape. (laughs) Escape his call. Sometimes that's what we do. We try and escape our call. And we, we don't do what God called us to do the first time. It says, but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. In his day, that was about as far as he could go. That's as far as he could go. Tarshish is believed to be present day Spain. And so that's about as far as he could go from in the opposite direction to the city of Nineveh and the Assyrians. 
from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, we in hindsight think, oh, that's pretty stupid. (laughs) How can you flee the presence of the Lord? But you know, we do the same thing. We may not have actually gone and bought a boat, but in many ways we, we turn that channel off. We ignore what the Lord is speaking to our heart when he tells us to do something. And he f- tried to flee from the presence of the Lord. Now, the thing about this is that what happened to Jonah, Jesus chose to use that as the one sign that would be given. So it's interesting. Then let's study it because there's something special that happened to Jonah. Now, you know what happened. A great storm came up and the, those men, the fishermen, tend to be very superstitious people. So, of course, they believe this was caused by some God being angry at them. And of course they were right, but it was not just some God, it was the God, the only God. And of course, Jonah knew right away why this was happening. You ever been in circumstances where you know why it's happening? You know, you know that God has, is speaking to you and say, you tried to run away from me. And you know the circumstances. Jonah knew immediately what had happened. So when they came to question him, he fessed up, he said, it was, it was me. And he told them, the only way you're going to solve this is throw me into the sea. And they didn't want to do it, but eventually they did. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. That's interesting. There's that number again, three days. We see that repeatedly throughout Scripture so many times, the third day. Third day, Jesus showed up. At the marriage in Cana. The third day he came to that feast. When his his brothers had gone up early and they said, aren't you coming? It was a seven day feast. The Bible said he came in the middle of the feast. Which means he came on the third day. So that's a clue to something uh, that we'll have to talk about later. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, thou heardest my voice. Now, I've outlined in red something there, out of the belly of hell. Jesus used this example as a sign of what was going to happen. Three days and three nights. In Matthew 12, verse 40, For as Jonas was three days and three nights, In the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Actually, yesterday, I was uh, doing some research, and I came across something. I really wasn't looking for it. But it was talking about the earth and the makeup of the earth and its core. And the fact is, it's molten for a couple, 2,000 miles, and then finally you come to a solid core which is made of iron and nickel. And it's solid because the pressure at that depth is so great that even though it is at thousands of degrees, it's solid. But the interesting thing about the, the liquid um, center of the earth is that it rotates. It's going round. And the, the, the magma, the molten part, circulates. And that's what gives us our magnetic field. The Earth's magnetic field, the compass. Well, the, the scientists just said that um, they've come to the conclusion that the core has stopped rotating. I think it was uh, just in the last few months they've said that the center of the core has stopped rotating. Now, I don't know what that means. I just think it's interesting. But you know what Jesus said? All this, these signs are going to lead up to end times. And uh, maybe I'll touch on that a little bit more. Here, Jesus used the fact that he was going to go where? Into the center of the earth. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He prophesied where he was going, but yet no one really understood it very clearly. Psalms 16 verse 9 is a prophecy. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou shalt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. 
So there's something about that three days um, and three nights. We know that Lazarus was just over three days before Jesus resurrected him. The sign of Jonah, though, was this important message that Jesus gave as the only sign uh, that, it, that was really important for what he was going to do and the purpose of his coming. So let's look at that. Um, and I'm showing there on that chart that according to, to the Jewish tradition at sunset today was when we entered the 14th day of Nisan, which is the first month, uh, the religious month that they measure everything off of. On the night of Passover... It was the 14th, Moses in Exodus 12 was commanded to tell them that you are to take in a lamb on the 10th day of Nisan. We call that day Sunday, Palm Sunday. Jesus presented himself as the lamb and for three and and a half days, they said Hosanna. But on the night of the 14th or the the evening when when it changed from the 14th, is when he was arrested. So just like in the Passover where they were to take the lamb in and keep it, Jesus literally fulfilled that when he presented himself on what we call Palm Sunday and they spread their garments and worshipped him. And then three and a half days later, on the Wednesday night, was when, after the Lord's Supper, is when he was arrested. So you can see from that chart that the next day, the full day of Nisan, because Nisan begins at sunset uh, tonight, that Jesus was arrested and crucified at about 9 a.m. And he spent six hours on the cross, just like the, the two lambs that were the sin offering for Israel, the morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice. And about 3 p.m. after being on the cross, six hours is when he died. And that you can see uh, from the chart that he spent the three days and three nights. Now, he arose on the first day of the week. But the first day of the week starts on Saturday at sunset. So that's when Jesus arose. And when you calculate it, you'll see that there are fully three days and three nights. That's why uh, when they came in the morning before, before light, he was already gone. The angel had rolled away the stone just to show that it was empty. This is the sign of Jonah, that there's an empty tomb. Most of the things that are worshipped, the people that are worshipped in this world, they have a tomb and there's a body in there. But Jesus' tomb is empty. Amen. His whole plan and coming was to get to the grave. And I talked about that a little bit on Sunday. He says, for this cause came I into the world. Matthew 26, 39. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. You know what this tells me? I used to wonder, uh, growing up, crucifixion is such a horrible, terrible death. It was one of the most painful ways the Romans could devise or humanity could devise to kill someone because it was normally a very long process. People could stay on the cross even up to two or three days. The reason why Jesus, of course, died so quickly was because they had been torturing him and beating on him all night. He could have uh, almost died from just the whipping. In fact, he could hardly carry the cross because he was so brutalized. And in my little puny mind, I, I would kind of question God and say, God, why was this necessary? Couldn't you have found some other way to bring redemption? But I understand something from what Jesus said in the garden. He says, if it be possible, if it be possible. There's some things that are not possible, that are not possible. If it were possible for salvation to have come some other way, I'm sure God would have done it. But there is only one way for salvation, and that was that Jesus had to die. And he had to die in a certain way. He had to die as the sacrifice, as the redemption lamb, because that was the only way he could get qualified to go to the grave. Amen.
Luke 23, 46, and when he had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. The only way we were going to get his spirit is if Jesus died. That's the only way. He had to give up his spirit so that it could be shared amongst us 50 days later. So we're going to go over some of the principal reasons that Passover happened, that Jesus had to die. Because many people don't understand. In fact, I was studying um, about the spread of the gospel to, to Japan. And when the first missionaries went there, and were trying to explain about how God became man and then he died and had to suffer, this was something that was culturally very foreign to the Japanese. A God having to suffer, that, that doesn't make sense. A God tells other people what to do. A God does not come down and suffer. So they had a, a big, big problem understanding God suffering. But there were reasons why it had to be this way. And once we understand it, we can see the great sacrifice that Jesus did upon our behalf. The reason that he had to come that way, as I said, was because Satan, Satan had locked up all the prisoners to take back the kingdom of the grave. Amen. We, we know that God rules in the heavens, and we know there's an earthly kingdom, but there's a kingdom of the grave. And the reason why Jesus had to get there was to take back the kingdom of the grave. The Bible said he came to destroy the works of Satan. One of Satan's greatest works is death. It says, by one man sin came and because of sin, death ruled. So he had to come to take back the kingdom of the grave. Isaiah 14, 17 explains this. He says, speaking about Satan, said that, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners. I was looking last night at the news. Don't know if any of you saw pictures of the hurricane, I'm not the hurricanes, the tornadoes, and how some cities have almost been totally devastated. It looked like a bomb went through there. It said that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, and opened not the house of his prisoners. Satan was not going to let anyone go. This is the reason why Jesus came in Isaiah 61, 1, after he had been baptized and was about to start his ministry, he went back to his hometown of Capernaum and he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and they gave him the scroll of the book of Isaiah and he opened it and he read his mission statement. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Now that might not seem obvious what he was talking about, but when you understand what Isaiah fourteen seventeen was speaking about, he came to deliver all the righteous dead who had ever died before that time. The second reason that he came was to give his blood as the covering, as the temporary covering. Hebrews 10.4, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls, of bulls and of goats should take away sins. All of those animal sacrifices stopped the soul dying, but they could not release the soul from the grave. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. I love that verse. I really love that verse. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that, are, them that are separated, them that are on this path. As I've said so many times, he calls those things that are not as though they be. God is calling you perfect. He's calling you his child. He's calling you uh, a saint. He's calling you holy. Now, I don't know about you. For me, though, I t tend to cringe because I know my imperfections. But if we will let God's declaration rest upon us, if we will let God's word rest upon us instead of using our own judgment, then we will have power. Amen. Hebrews 9.14, how much more shall the blood of Christ? This was the reason he came, because his blood had to be shed, just like all those animals were shed. But the difference was his blood had the power not just to cover, not just to stop death, but to release from the grave. How much more shall the blood of Christ 
who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Verse 15, for this cause, he is the mediator, he is the go-between of the New Testament, that by means of his death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Now, if somebody has a will, the only way you get the money from the will or the estate from the will is if who? If the person who the will belongs to dies. Jesus had to die to bring in the new testament, the new will. He had to die so that the promise here, so that were under the first testament, which were called, might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Because we had messed up, we had, we had, man had blown the first will, we were not going to inherit because of our sins. So Jesus had to come and he had to die in order to put the second testament into power, into um, action. The third reason for his death was to give his spirit as the permanent covering. Amen. The Bible says that when God created man, he breathed on him and man became a living soul. In John, I think uh, 20 or 17, Jesus repeats that. He said he breathed on them and we're told now what it was that he said, receive ye the spirit. It's God's spirit that makes us a son of God. The Bible says to them gave he power to become sons of God, those that are led by the spirit. It's his spirit that is the permanent covering. It's his spirit that will give us that Shekinah glory. It's his spirit that will complete us. Romans 8, 11, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, that means make alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Romans 8, 9 says, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit, he is none of his. Now that sounds very harsh, but that's God saying that, not me. We may not, uh, if you don't like that, you'll have to tear that one out the Bible. But that's what God says. If any man have not his spirit, he is none of his. So that means we have to have God's spirit. Amen. It's not a, it's not a, um, a, a, a buffet where we can pick and choose what we want from God. We have to have his spirit. So the third reason for Jesus' death was so that he could give of his spirit to us as a covering, which was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. Again, Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Isn't that awesome? Amen. I want to be led by the Spirit of God. I want to be, as I, ta- I taught on Sunday, I want to be asked to be a servant so that I can be made a son. Amen. So, if we go back to the Old Testament, we see that all of these Offerings and things were just types and shadows, temporary um, uh, fillers until the true sacrifice could come. Blood, when they killed the animal, was sprinkled on the place of judgment. The place of judgment, symbolically, then, was the brazen altar. That's why they were told to give an animal sacrifice, because the blood was used as a covering. So they killed the bullocks, the priests received the blood and sprinkled it on the altar. It seems strange. It seems a weird thing to do. But you have to understand that in Leviticus, God told them that the blood I've given you as a covering. Given you as a covering. You see, we don't need the covering while we're alive because we've got this vessel. But when this vessel departs this world, we have a soul that needs a covering. And because we no longer are born with the spirit covering, God allowed these innocent animals who were uh, without a sense of wrong and right to be used temporarily. It didn't please God. It wasn't his, it wasn't his uh, plan to have all these animals killed. David, when he was repenting, he made this point. He says, listen, if it was just a matter of killing enough animals, I could do that. But what you're looking for truly is a broken and a contrite heart. 
a broken and a contrite heart. Nevertheless, God allowed this as only a temporary substitute, just as he did with Adam and Eve in the garden when they were naked. The Bible said he clothed them with the skins. Now, it's not explicit, but it's implicit that an animal gave its life and there was a shedding of blood. Likewise, when they had killed the rams, they sprinkled the blood upon the altar. They killed also the lambs and they sprinkled the blood upon the altar. This blood was there really for the time of the person's death so that there would be a covering in the grave. So this brazen altar was just a representation, a symbol for the true place of judgment. Anyone know where the true place of judgment is? Hell. Just as hell's fires don't go out, I was thinking when I was reading this article about how hot the center of the earth is. It's as hot almost as the sun. In fact, it is hotter than the surface of the sun. That's been that way for thousands of years. That the inside of the earth is molten. Isn't that amazing? We only exist on a very thin little crust compared to the thousands of miles beneath our feet that are molten. Sometimes uh, we see that when it comes up as volcanoes and we see the magma come up and the, the true power of what's going on underneath uh, shows itself for a little bit. So this was where Satan had set up his kingdom. This was where we are going to go to the grave without Jesus' blood. And this is where the soul would be killed. So the true place of judgment, of course, is hell. The brazen altar was symbolic of the place of judgment where a substitute, a lamb or a bull or a ram, was killed instead of us. But hell is truly the destination of the unrepentant and those who have not given their life to Jesus. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. So the Bible tells us that hell is a place of judgment. And so the blood that was received by the symbolic place of judgment for the literal place of judgment, those who during their lifetime had given the correct sacrifices, when they died, they had a covering. They had a temporary covering. But they still were kept in this place that they could not leave until Jesus came. The literal place of judgment is hell. We see that so many times. And this was the reason for all of the sacrifices. Leviticus 8, 19, And he killed it, and Moses sprinkled the blood upon the altar around about. I was talking about why Jesus had to die. Hebrews tells us that the blood of bulls and goats could not forever remove sin because every year they had to keep doing it. But Hebrews 10, 14 says that he has perfected forever. Jesus died one time. Amen. That's why we only now need the washing of the word. Amen. You don't have to be baptized again. All you need is to keep that word, keep washing and working on you. When you, when you get your Bible, you're, you're getting a wash. You're getting fed. You're getting clean. When you hear a word, you're getting fed. You're getting cleaned. Because today all we need is the washing of the word. Amen. So the blood was the other reason that Jesus had to die. Because only a sinless son of God could pay the penalty. Our blood could not. You know, you're a, you can give transfusions today, but you have to be the exact match. They have to do a blood type. You can't just give a transfusion to anyone. I think the most common uh, blood type is O, I think, and they can give transfusions a lot more. And there's other blood types. I think AB negative is probably the rarest. But Jesus' blood covers everybody. <laughs> AB negative, AB positive, oh, his blood does more than just give you a transfusion. It gives you eternal life. Amen. So the blood was the covering in death, but the spirit now is the covering in life. Amen. Because we are passed from death unto life. If we were to die now, the Bible tells us we don't go to that place. We appear in the throne room of God. Isn't that awesome? For the life of the creatures in the blood, and I have given it to you to make an atonement. In other words, a covering, kippurim, for yourselves on the altar. God gave them these animal sacrifices because they no longer had a covering that they themselves could, could, could make. They had to have an, 
innocent animal. After eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, man became corrupt. Unconsolable as far as doing the right thing. We see in Genesis uh, 8 or 9 when he came out of the ark, the Bible says God knew that man's heart was evil continually from his youth. Sometimes some weird thoughts will jump into your head and you'll say, where did that come from? <laughs> Is it only me? I'm, I'm, I'm so the... You have to really say, where in heaven's name did that come from? Well, it, it's our flesh. Our flesh will creep upon us and you just have to, to change the channel when that happens. You have to rebuke that thought. You have to say, no, 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 that, that's not right. Amen. But we are going to be completely changed once we get the new bodies. We won't have that problem. But the Bible tells us that all of these things were temporary. And here's another amazing scripture. In Hebrews 11, which is the scripture that's called the heroes of faith, we are told this. It gives us all of these people who died, who, who uh, you know, slew giants, who, who were great heroes of faith. But it goes on to say, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. Isn't that something that... Because of when we were born, we now have the opportunity to not just have the blood covering, but to have a spirit covering. Amen. That should be an amen. (laughs) That we get the opportunity. We don't have to do the animal sacrifice because now we have the better thing. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And these all having obtained a good report, how? Through faith, because they believed. They still did not receive the promise. Verse 40 is amazing. God having provided some better thing for us. Isn't that amazing? That they without us should not be made perfect. They all had to wait. They all had to wait till Jesus came. God having provided a better thing. What they had, the animal sacrifices, were temporary. This is the reason why when Jesus prayed in the garden, he said, if it were possible. But it was not possible. There was no other son of God that could do this. There was no other human being that was sinless. There was no other blood that could permanently release the prisoners. There was no other person who could go down there and battle Satan. God having provided some better thing for us. That those who went before should not be made perfect without us. The better thing. Hebrews 9.22 And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood there is no remission. This is the reason why Jesus had to come and he had to die and it had to be his blood. That means he had to shed blood. There was going to have to be some bloodletting. If you remember the symbol in the Old Testament that the blood was sprinkled on the Day of Atonement seven times. When the animal was killed, the goat, the kid of the goat, and the high priest went in, he sprinkled the blood seven times. And I know I've taught a Bible study which shows that blood was sprinkled from Jesus seven times. From the first time when they they put the crown of thorns on him and blood came down when he was in the garden and, and it was as if drops of blood and when they brutalized him and when they whipped him. His blood had to be shed because without the shedding of blood there is no remission. There was going to be no covering that could release the people who had already died. It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in the heavens should be purified with these but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which were the figures, which were the symbols. The temple, the tabernacle was only a symbol until the better thing came. But into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. He took his own blood as the covering. That's why we can... Ask Jesus. That's why we have an advocate. That's why we have a mediator, which is Christ. That's why when we pray, we can ask God directly. We don't have to go through no high priest. We don't have to go to a confessor. All we have to shout out is, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, but he is now acting as our high priest. And we can go to him directly. You don't have to come through me. 
You don't have to confess anything to me. You do have to confess to him. Now to appear in the presence of God. Why? For us. For us. I don't remember the name of the lawyer for O.J. Simpson. Johnny Cochran. Well, I have a better lawyer. The Bible says we have an advocate with the Father. Amen. He, he is going to get me off. <laughs> even though I deserve it. Even though I'm guilty. I don't want to get political, but I know someone today was arraigned. <laughs> I think he needs Dr. Jesus on his side. Amen. Uh, um, because you know what? We all need Jesus. He is our advocate. Amen. See, they had to wait for the better thing. This is the reason and the purpose of Passover. The very first of the seven feasts that were going to be symbolically and literally fulfilled by Jesus. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. In Genesis, Abel's blood spoke because it was the covering for the soul. He cried out for justice and judgment. Abel's blood was crying out for justice and judgment. You know what Jesus' blood is crying out for? Mercy and grace. It speaketh better things. Better things. It's not that we haven't killed, but Jesus' blood is not crying out for judgment and justice. It's crying out for mercy and grace. Now we may say, well, we didn't crucify him. Oh, yes, we did. It was because of our sins that he was nailed to that cross. Because there was no other way. If there was another way, God would have used it. But there was no other way and no other person who could have died and shed their blood for the redemption of sins. And that's why his blood speaks out mercy and grace. Abel's blood cried out for judgment and justice. And rightly so. But it says in the New Testament that his blood, the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See, Lucifer had everyone in this place called the grave. Now, not every part of that was a place of torment, but it wasn't a place of freedom. It was not heaven. It was called by the Jews the Abraham's bosom. Isaiah 14, 13, and I know I've read this many times. Thou said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. This is when Satan rebelled. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. But the prophecy says, yet, even though you, that's where you would like to go, yet you're going to be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. See, the Bible tells us that hell was not created in the original creation. The Bible tells us that hell was created for who? The devil and his angels. It was never God's purpose or intent for us. But it does say hell hath what? Enlarged herself. They that see thee shall know himself likewise took part of the same. Here's the reason. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. Isn't that something? It was through his death. The symbol that Satan thought would, would, would be his winning strategy was actually his losing strategy. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Remember the scripture I read at the beginning where, and he died, and he died, and he died. Well, you know what I want to tell you? After the crucifixion, there is a resurrection. Amen. It wasn't the crucifixion that, that Jesus was looking. The Bible said, who for the joy? Who for the joy of what? That was set before him. Endured the cross. The cross is not fun. cross is not a happy time. But you can endure it if you have the joy of what is going to come. If you know that this is just a season that you're going through. If you know that this is just following the master. He has already triumphed so we can too. It says and deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. See that's why Jesus came to release the prisoners. 
and to proclaim liberty. That's what he did. Look what 1 Peter 3.18 says he did when he went down to the grave. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which he also went and proclaimed, preached unto the spirits in prison. That means the souls that were in prison which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few at that time were saved. Just eight souls were saved by water. It says, The like figure, that is water, wherewith even baptism doth now also save us. This scripture is, is, is proof text that baptism is not just a symbol, but has a salvation reason. And that's why you have to do it the right way. The like figure, meaning water, whereunto even baptism doth also do what? Save us. Now save us. So those who think that baptism is just a symbol, they haven't understood this scripture fully. The like figure, that means they were saved by the water. The people in the ark were saved by the water. The writer of this, Peter, is comparing that to baptism, how baptism also saves us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but an answer of a good conscience towards God. How? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I'm trying to rush here. We're almost out of time. But let me try and finish this before we go to our questions. Here is the scripture I told you about. The reason for the life. And in Hebrew it's nefesh. The soul of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make a covering. That's why the blood was needed, to make a covering for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for your soul. And again, without the shedding of Jesus' blood, there could be no remission of sins. John 19, 34. But one of the soldiers went with a spear and pierced his side. And forthwith came there out blood and water. See, the, the, the crucifixion is a terrible event to look upon. It must have been a terrible thing to have to witness. And most of his disciples, in fact, all of them really didn't get it. No matter how many times he told them, I'm going to rise again. It's just like today, I'm coming back again. You know, we kind of hear it, but I don't know how many of us really believe it day to day that I'm coming back again. But yes, he is. Matthew 28, 22, 28, 2. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone. See, Sunday will be more celebrating his resurrection than anything else. It just so happens that this year, 2023, everything falls in line. That East, the actual uh, Easter and the days fall exactly when he was crucified, A.D. 31. Maybe that's a sign. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. It wasn't to let Jesus out. It was to let them in. See, he can roll back any stone that's in your life. When we believe, when we trust God, when we truly rest, as I've been teaching, when we rest in him, he can roll back any stone. It was just to let them see he was already gone. He's risen. Why do you, why do you come and seek the, the living among the dead? We don't serve a dead God. He's got no tomb with a body in it, but he is alive. It's for us to declare that every day. I serve a living God. A living God. Jesus himself said that he's God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why do you think he's dead, God? He's a living God. The, 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 um, not the Pharisees, but the other group did not believe. The, the Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection. Jesus said he's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. Amen. And came back and rolled away the stone from the door and sat upon it. Matthew twenty-seven fifty-two. And the graves were opened, and many bodies, many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now, you know, those of you who have been here a while know that I teach this is the first fruits of the barley. 68, Psalm 68, 18. And I know I've gone very fast. You'll have to uh, re-look at this online. 
Thou hast ascended on high and thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts for men, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. It's what he's speaking about. The Bible says that when we get the gift of the Holy Spirit, we get some other gifts. When he led captivity captive, he received gifts even for the rebellious. When you repent, when you come to Christ so that God cannot just dwell with us but in us. Amen. These are they which are not defiled with women. These are the first fruits, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithsoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and the Lamb. Amen. If you could stand with me. We're not going to be quite finished, but to close the online portion of this. See, we're going to be the first fruits of the wheat. In two months... Two months' time, we'll be celebrating Pentecost. In the Jewish month of Sivan, which means, funnily enough, anyone remember what Sivan means? Their covering. In the month of the covering, God gave us the covering. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, make alive your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one. you should have this one posted on your fridge. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, And we shall be changed. Hallelujah. 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 Isn't that a great promise from God? As we celebrate that 2,000, roughly 2,000, almost 2,000 years ago, about this time, Jesus was in the garden. You know what he was doing? He was singing hymns. And then they came to arrest him. And they said, we're looking for, he said, I am he. And they fell back. And he said, don't touch these. Leave these alone. I'm telling you, he has said that he has... Given the Father the, 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 the request to leave us alone. Satan cannot do more than he can do. He can, he can come and he can take physical things. But your life is not his to mess with. Amen. Because we are going to be the first fruits. Amen. We that are alive and remain shall be caught up. Hallelujah. That is the hope. Just as Jesus was bodily resurrected, we're going to be bodily resurrected and we're going to be caught up to heaven. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word tonight. Lord, let it find good soil. Let our faith rise, hallelujah, to stand upon your word, to believe that you're soon coming. Lord, we trust your word and we come to you by faith believing tonight and we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.